This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn, and we take another trip behind enemy lines, this time as LSU gets set for a rivalry matchup with Florida, we head down to Gainesville. Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7 joins us. Jacob, first off, man, it seems like you and I were just uh, chatting it up in Nashville at SEC Media Days, and now we find ourselves you know, in getting to the middle of November with just three regular season games remaining for both teams. It's uh, Man, it's good to talk to you. I can't believe we're already in the month of November. Yeah, man, it's uh, the season flies. It's crazy. You know, you, you go in with expectations and – uh, there's a lot you're trying to see and, and, you know, the second you feel like you're finally getting your feet under you, it's like the season's about to end. And so it, it, it just goes so fast. It, I, mean, I can't believe that we're, we're at this game and, and it feels kind of like a big spot here for, for both teams this late in the season. It does. And look, you and I were kind of talking back and forth before we started recording. And so we just kind of dive into this, man. I mean, look, I looked at this game about two weeks ago and told LSU fans say, Hey, I mean, like, you know, this is whether you win or lose in Tuscaloosa, this is going to be a tough matchup. Uh, some of the fans on our message boards have kind of called me out on that a little bit after the loss to Arkansas for Florida, but kind of describe what's the mood. I mean, if there's a mood tracker right now for this Florida fan base and this team after really what was a kind of devastating loss, and I'll say from the outside, Jacob, a game that I really think Billy Napier couldn't afford to lose, especially when you look at what's remaining on the schedule. Oh, I think that's totally fair to say. I, I would evaluate that to be one of the most pivotal games uh, of his tenure so far. I think last year, Billy Napier's first season at Florida, there was a sense that the loss at Vanderbilt was going to be pretty consequential, something that people were going to hang on to. Just a historic loss, one that you really don't go into expecting to lose. This, to me, feels worse. You're facing a team that had two wins entering play. You were able to host this year. Last year, at least, Vanderbilt was on the road. So say what you will mm -hmm. about you know, having to travel or whatever circumstances and, and situations arise from that. This was pretty excuse-free to me. This is a home game uh, against a team that has had a ton of issues. It had just fired its offensive coordinator. Uh, and Florida looked like the better team on paper entering play. And so I, I had a feeling that this was going to be a closer game. And I think even Billy Napier had a feeling that that was going to happen. I don't know that anybody expected Florida to lose. Uh, I certainly did not. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that that was that that was a tough one, and and it has dampened the mood uh, around here for sure. I, I think that there are still a lot of people uh, who are you know waiting to see what will come of this recruiting class for Florida, which is currently ranked third in the country uh, for the twenty twenty four class, and 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 maybe where that shakes out come mid December. But but yeah, I would say that at a minimum, there's kind of a widespread sense of uh, you know at least. I don't know if it's fear, but but definitely kind of some questioning of of, of what's going on at Florida and and is this program trending in the right direction? And and yes, there's some good recruiting going on, but the on-field product has been questionable at best, in my opinion, uh, through nine games. And so it's kind of a mixed bag. I think people are still trying to figure out exactly how they feel, and these next three weeks plus recruiting are going to determine that. 
Yeah, you and I have both covered college football long enough to know that, look, recruiting is great, but if that on-the-field product doesn't improve, that recruiting is going to flame out. It's not going to be able to be something that is sustainable. Those pipe dreams you're selling of playing time and you know opportunities to come in and compete right away, well, if you're not winning, it's it doesn't matter. So, you know, I think it's very interesting you mentioned the fact that you felt Arkansas would be a close game. Uh, Napier probably felt that because LSU fans remember kind of at the beginning of what was a crazy losing streak for Sam Pittman's crew. Arkansas nearly took down LSU in Baton Rouge earlier this season. So it's one of those games where I think that when you have a Sam Pittman coach team, and you probably saw this on the field on Saturday, was it something where you saw Arkansas just playing very, very physical? I mean, they've got a really good defensive line. They've got nice pieces. It's just been a weird offensive year. And K.J. Jefferson still is a a tough matchup for any team. So what did you maybe take away from on the field uh, that maybe didn't work and, and things that have to be corrected as they get ready to make this trip to Baton Rouge? Yeah, I mean, I said before the game that one thing that would be a, a significant factor would be whether or not Florida could protect the quarterback and, and slow down an Arkansas defensive line that has been effective throughout the entirety of the season. Landon Jackson, I would say, has been one of the best mm-hmm. edge rushers in the SEC. He's extremely effective. Uh, and the guys around him, maybe not as prominent, but but certainly still good. And and they had, I would say, performed better defensively than their 2-6 and six record shows. And, and, and it's yeah. the reason why... They were able to play in a lot of those close games. Uh, margin of, of loss in their previous three SEC road contests was 4.3 points, 13 total points uh, of deficit over three total games. Uh, that continued in Gainesville, although they fell on the right side of it. And so I think you know, coming in, it was whether or not Florida was going to be able to protect and match the physicality and the desire that Arkansas was going to come in with to have a win. And, and, and that applies to the offensive side uh, for Arkansas and Florida's defense as well. You know, K.J. Jefferson is a put-the-head-down-and-pick-up-yards-by-whatever-means-necessary and kind of quarterback. Uh, they had Rocket Sanders, the star running back, uh, back in the fold for that game. He was coming off a knee injury, and he is a very physical runner who gets downhill and, and beats up on defenders. Uh, and I don't know that Florida did enough to be able to match those things. It, it, you know, defensive issues proved to be kind of a, a, an inhibiting factor for Florida. They didn't really do a good job slowing down KJ Jefferson. Rocket Sanders eclipsed 100 yards on the ground again. And then, I, you know, I mentioned on the other side of the ball, there was pressure that got to Graham Mertz reasonably consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were drives that stalled out, I would say, that proved critical. And as Billy Napier said, and I, you know, I, I found it to be kind of an interesting quote, uh, he said that they were six plays away. You know, usually you hear coaches say we were one or two plays away. Uh, Billy Napier assessed that Florida was roughly six plays away uh, from winning this game. And I think it's, you know, you could argue that there were more than that. And so, yeah, (laughs) Florida was out physical on both sides of the ball. Uh, You you know, I think that Arkansas came in and just looked like the team that wanted it more, got off to a 14-0 lead right at the outset of the game and within three minutes. uh, and, And the result was the result. Yeah. Yeah, no, and look, we're going to get more into the offensive and defensive matchups. Maybe LSU fans are interested in hearing uh, what's going to travel uh, down to Tiger Stadium. But I know we were talking about this before. There's been some mental miscues with this team uh, that are kind of head-scratching. And I know you mentioned some interesting exchanges within the press conference uh, that I believe you said was yesterday. So kind of walk me through, Jacob, you know, Special teams, you know, getting 11 guys on the field and just overall game management. I know you mentioned there's maybe a little bit of a worry from the fan base about the direction of a trending up or trending down. You know, 10, 11 games in the season, Jacob, if we're just going to be honest, it's not something that should be happening at this juncture of the football season. 
Well, Bryce, special teams this season have been a major issue for Florida, and and we've seen them, you know, occur multiple times in multiple games. I'll give you a very, in my mind, basic example. Uh, Florida in nine games now has had five contests in which it has had at least one special teams play with fewer than 11 men on the field. That is communication on the sideline. That is an organizational issue. Uh, I don't know how guys are routinely put uh, in in wrong positions or not in position at all on the field. I'll give you another example against Arkansas. One of the most consequential plays of the game was right at the buzzer. Florida seemingly wanted to clock the ball around its own 26-yard line off off the top of my head. Uh, offense stays on the field for first and 10, eight seconds left on the clock with no timeouts. And the field goal unit starts to take the field and then has to try to get off the field with the offense set. It's an illegal substitution penalty and the only saving grace for the Gators there. And it ended up not mattering because you know the kick was no good, but the only saving grace was that there was no 10 second runoff because the ball was not set and the officials had not started the clock yet. So they still had eight seconds to go out and kick a field goal, but you've effectively iced your own kicker by taking a penalty, by running him out there in a hurry with eight seconds left, and then running him off the field again. And the result was a missed field goal and an overtime Florida loss. And so, uh, you know, special teams have not really been there, in my opinion, so far this Mm -hmm. season. I would say that that's an area this offseason where for Billy Napier to really keep this on the right track or at a minimum, uh, you know, in a place where fans are, are... having some confidence uh, that that things could maybe catch some, some footing. An offensive coordinator, in my opinion, is a necessary hire. Uh, and so is a special teams coordinator, because to me, those are the two areas where Florida struggled the most. Taking a look here behind enemy lines at a Florida team that, like you mentioned, ha- has struggled at times. And look, LSU fans, a lot of them are familiar uh, with Lafayette just being 40 minutes away from Baton Rouge with Billy Napier and what he was able to accomplish in his time with the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Jacob, when I look at this, you know, and and have watched SEC football this year, you know, coming into the season when we were in Nashville, I did not think Florida would be amongst the tops in the SEC East. Now, look, early on in the season, you could make a case. Hey, the win against Tennessee, you know, what they were able to do is said, oh, the fan base might have gotten a little bit excited about what they could accomplish. Um, But it's a group offensively that, you know, has two running backs that can do some damage. Graham Mertz, to me, I think, and you tell me, just from the outside, he's been better than I maybe I expected. Uh, what is your take on Graham Mertz in this offense and, you know, guys like uh, Eugene Wilson, you know, the third, who has been a very, very nice, you know, addition and has probably instilled some confidence in the recruiting for this class going forward. Uh, all that being said, what's kind of your take on the offense as they get ready to make the trip to LSU? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, it's an interesting group, and I think that the results have been somewhat varied this season, especially on the road. You point back to that game at Kentucky. Florida scores only 14 points, and that was a really underwhelming outing. And then you look at their contest in South Carolina, and they put up 41 points in a 41-39 shootout win over the Gamecocks. Uh, and, and maybe you see some signs of life. Uh, this is an offense that is going to attract is going to try to attack teams, excuse me, uh, in that short to medium yardage range. They are not going to really try to blow you up over the top. They don't necessarily have the receiver skill uh, or depth to be taking the tops off of defenses. And that to me is where Graham Mertz has shined the most. I do believe that Mertz has given Florida as good a chance as it's going to get, uh, given its offense and how it needs or likes to operate. Uh, he has done a great job understanding the scheme, operating within it. And I think this is really important. He does not turn the ball over. Even when Florida struggles, even at Florida's lowest, so far this season, we have seen Mertz deliver a very consistent product without a lot of risk. Doesn't really get Florida into bad spots in terms of giving defense short fields due to turnovers, due to bad drives. Uh, Florida has been better that way than I think maybe some people would expect given the struggles that this team has had. That being said, there are absolutely limitations, and we saw those against Arkansas to a degree, uh, where if you can defend the short to intermediate ranges and you can slow Florida down on the ground, you take away the vast majority of its offense. There is not a lot of creativity uh, within this scheme. It is very playmaker dependent. You mentioned Trey Wilson, uh, Eugene Wilson to, to LSU fans. He's a guy where you know he gets the ball into his hands uh, and, and is a shifty playmaker who can get away and separate from defenders. He is a problem uh, when Florida can find him. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is a problem when Florida can find him. And, and you know LSU fans might be familiar with him as he's a former teammate of Jaden Daniels at Arizona State. Uh, but again, you know if defenses are able to do generally what they need to do and take some of these things away, Florida becomes really one-dimensional. Uh, and and so you know this is an offense that is again playmaker dependent. Uh, it's going to try and attack you in those short to medium ranges and get the ball out fast uh, into the hands of those playmakers. And then it you know, basically it comes down to whether or not a defense is going to make tackles uh, and be in the right position. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The reason I think this football game is going to be interesting and that a lot of people are wary of that 13-point advantage that Vegas put on this game for LSU is the two things you just mentioned. You know, LSU's inability to tackle effectively this season. Uh, and, and a group, too, that I think is going to be something. You mentioned that South Carolina game. And the one thing that stands out to me about South Carolina is the weakness up front that they have on both sides of the football. LSU's front seven has underwhelmingly performed this season. And so that's something if Florida can, you know, get things rolling, I think is, uh, you know, a cause for concern. That's something we're going to take a look at, obviously, later uh, this week over at Go 24-7. But, you know. You mentioned some playmakers. Uh, you mentioned Graham Mertz. I think the one thing that you know LSU fans are excited about is when you look at Mertz, you don't see a KJ Jefferson, you don't see a Jackson Dart, you don't see a Jalen Milrow. The legs aren't as big of a threat. I mean, the guy is not completely immobile in the pocket. But Jacob, LSU's had success against quarterbacks that are maybe more uh, wary of staying in the pocket. Is that a concern with the offensive line going into this game where? LSU doesn't have to worry about a Jalen Milrow or a guy that can just kind of improvise. Uh, Mertz doesn't seem like that type of player. Yeah, I mean, I do think that Mertz puts pressure on you in different ways in that he is a really heady quarterback and he does understand scheme and he does diagnose really well. So I, I think that that's notable. 
but of course, you know, if you don't have a quarterback who's going to be able to give you that same escapability uh, and, and have the ability to make the off schedule play like the Milrose or the Jaden Daniels of the world can, uh, or Anthony Richardson, you know, is a good one to point back to because LSU faced Anthony Richardson in the swamp last year. That doesn't exist uh, with Florida right now. And so, you know, Florida's offensive line has not done an adequate job over the course of the season. They give up a ton of pressure. Uh, you mentioned LSU having some front seven struggles. I, I think that that's kind of going to be an interesting area of this game, which struggling big unit, you know, upfront unit is going to be able to come out on top in this one. If Florida can protect Graham Mertz, he is a dramatically better quarterback. Uh, when he has some time in the pocket, he actually does kind of become dangerous. Just because, again, I, I really do think he does a good job of diagnosing the field and understanding what he sees without taking too much risk. Uh, but once he comes under fire, it becomes impossible for obvious reasons. Uh, we saw those struggles against Arkansas. We saw them very clearly against Kentucky. Georgia had four sacks and limited Florida essentially to seven points until the fourth quarter. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that this is kind of going to be one of those games where if Mertz stays clean, could it be competitive? Maybe. Uh, if Mertz is under fire the entire game, just given Florida's defensive struggles, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a long night for the Gators. Yeah, it's a great segue, Jacob. We talk about this defense, and look, a lot is going to hinge on the health of Jaden Daniels. I know that Billy Napier said they're preparing for both cases. Uh, Jaden Daniels kind of entered the, officially that concussion protocol after the hit he took last Saturday night that knocked him out of the football game. And I don't want to say it changed the complexion. I mean, I, I don't. I think the problem with LSU right now, Jacob, is the fact that even if Daniel was still in the game, you'd have to count on that defense to get a stop against Alabama, and not a lot of fans felt confident in saying that. That being said, I mean, it's hard to prepare for a guy like Daniels. Garrett Nussmeyer is more of the gunslinger type. Uh, he's a guy that really likes to throw the ball around the yard, per se. We know the weapons that LSU has in the wideout position. Uh, you know, the running backs were really not too effective against Alabama. Uh, Alabama did a really good job negating that, and that's a championship-level defense they have over in Tuscaloosa. But your thoughts about how Florida's defense matches up. Uh, correct me wrong, I know there were some notable injuries uh, for this Florida defense in the Arkansas game. What's the status of those guys, and, and – Overall, how do you feel like this is a matchup when Florida comes to uh, Tiger Stadium? Yeah, let, let's start with the injuries because there are some actually very significant ones. Starting linebacker Shamar James will not play against LSU, mm. nor will he appear against Missouri or Florida State. He's out for the season, uh, had a dislocated kneecap, and that had to require surgery. Uh, so he won't be available for Florida until the springtime. Uh, notably, however, there are some guys whose statuses we don't really know yet, and we won't find out until tomorrow. And that is defensive lineman Cam Jackson, Florida's nose tackle, who has been very good so far this season, transfer from Memphis. And then edge rusher Tyreek Sapp also missed Florida's game against Arkansas. You could argue that those three absences alone made the difference. Uh, you know, Arkansas is a very good team on the ground, and it's kind of in a similar fashion to what Jaden Daniels can do to you. He's a guy who's going to be able to escape the pocket. LSU is a team that is... Uh, you know, creative in its picking up of rushing yards. And when you lose your top three run stoppers, essentially, uh, that can become problematic. But, you know, defense in general for Florida has been a, an up and down battle. A great start to the season, including that game that you mentioned earlier against Tennessee, uh, where Florida got a win at home against then number 11, Tennessee. Uh, ever since then, we've seen some varied results. South Carolina seemed like kind of a turning point to me. The Gamecocks still put up 39 points, even though they lost. Uh, and since then, we, we've continued to see some of the same struggles that really were a problem in Columbia. And that is 
Secondary play has been a massive issue and putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks has been almost non-existent. And so this is a Florida team that will need to try and find some ways to increase its coverage, whether that's playing with an extra defensive back on the field more often. Uh, I, I'm not sure right now. I mean, it's we're going into week 10, so changes are hard to make. Uh, and, and you've covered college football long enough to know that we're, we're too deep into the season for schematic changes so far. Yeah. Uh, that being said, could you make small tweaks to protect yourself? Maybe. And I think it's come to a point now where Florida will need to try and do some of that. Uh, this secondary has gotten shredded in recent weeks, and this is not the game against LSU with the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs uh, that they have and the potency, the potential potency, I would say, uh, especially with Jaden Daniels, you're going to have to protect yourself. And so I, I do see this as a game that's going to potentially be really challenging for Florida's defense. Uh, could it make the necessary tweaks to work out? I, I guess. Uh, but but to me, that's going to be the pitfall here uh, and why I would be pretty confident that this is going to be an LSU win. Yeah, you kind of teased it right there. This is a game where a lot of the fans, and myself included, watching this one, you kind of throw the records out. We've had some crazy finishes over the past couple of seasons, but Jacob, you've kind of alluded to it, wanted to get kind of not maybe a firm prediction, but what are some of the kind of keys, if Florida is able going to pull off this upset, what what are some things they have to hit on to, to really be able to, one, you know, quiet down what is going to be a crazy crowd on Saturday night, uh, but just overall overcome some of the deficiencies that you've kind of laid out here today? Yeah, I, I would go back to the line of scrimmage. I think that that has been kind of the issue that has limited Florida in recent weeks. It was absolutely a limiting factor against Arkansas. Uh, you know, and that goes both ways. It's protecting the quarterback, like I said earlier, but it's also finding the quarterback uh, and picking up sacks, which Florida has not done at a high rate. Uh, and then second to that, I, I think it goes back to the secondary. I, I think that this is one of those games where you're going to face a lot of pressure, regardless of who's at quarterback. And I think that's important to note. Uh, just with the playmakers on the perimeter that LSU has at its disposal. And it's going to demand the best out of Florida's secondary, which we haven't seen now in some weeks. Uh, so to me, this will come down to whether or not Florida's secondary is able to step up and, and generate some stops and make things challenging uh, for LSU's quarterbacks, whoever it is that's back there. Uh, and then the line of scrimmage both ways, whether or not Florida can create and prevent pressure. Obviously going to be a big-time matchup. Saturday night in Death Valley, LSU fans excited to once again get back home. Uh, final three games for the Tigers, all potentially going to be night games. They released that Georgia State time. We expect A&M to be a night kickoff as well. Uh, Jacob, I know you're excited to take in Death Valley. It's going to be a fun experience for you. Um, as we get out of here, if LSU fans kind of want to read the Florida perspective, let us know. let them know and let us know where they can find all of your work and how you guys will be covering this week. Yeah, I, I definitely feel free to come on over and check out uh, what we're doing over at swamp247.com. Uh, we'll be covering all things Florida Gators. Billy Napier talks to the media uh, on Wednesday. So if you're looking for his comments, you can check in uh, sometime tomorrow night. I'd probably say around 7.30, p.m. Eastern time is when we'll have those comments up on our site. Uh, and, and then over on Twitter also, you can follow Graham Hall, uh, who is my, my co-worker the excellent Graham Hall, myself, uh, at Jacob Rudner on Twitter. And uh, we'll get to your Florida news. Awesome. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. And uh, Jacob's going to be making the trip over this weekend. LSU and Florida, big-time matchup. We went behind enemy lines. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in, whether you are listening on the podcast feed, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get that. Make sure to follow us, subscribe to that feed there. And if you're on the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button as well. Completely free as we continue to grow all things LSU. We'll catch you next time here on the Go 24-7 podcast.